What's going on, everyone? It's your boy Jamar, aka Data J, back with another All About the Data episode. And we got a special guest for y'all today. So, you know, for this special guest, we had to have all the co hosts in the building. I mean, we called off work, we made sure we canceled birthdays, <laughs> weddings. <That's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do all that, but we, we had to make sure, you know, we had everyone for Alex, the analyst. I know everyone knows who this is. So, Alex, we just want you to introduce yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Um, how to introduce myself. I'm Alex, the analyst. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, Twitter now, um, just as of recently. And uh, yeah, I make YouTube videos and content all around data analytics, how to get a job, um, tutorials, uh, and yeah, just everything data analytics focus that I can think of. I, I make it and then I put it out there. Alex, I want to say you sound just like you sound on YouTube. That's, <laughs> but I got to ask since, since, you know, since, since I, uh, I convinced you to get on Twitter, how has your Twitter journey been so far? You know, I've actually really been liking it. I, I, I haven't done Twitter for over five years since I had like a personal account and I, I was posting on there pretty regularly. Then I just fell away from it. And um, yeah, you, you, you convinced me to get on there and I'm happy about it. Cause now I, I think I just hit 10,000 subscribers yeah. or followers is what they're called on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. And I really like it. It's a good community and it's um, a lot bigger than I thought it was. And so I'm pretty surprised at, at how many people are, are like data related people on Twitter. Uh, that was kind of shocking to me. Yeah. It's, it's a very big community. Um, I'm actually wondering, is, do you think it's bigger than LinkedIn? I don't think so. That, and, that's, and that's just my perception because I've been on LinkedIn, LinkedIn longer. Okay. So I've been on there for years posting my stuff. And so I have a larger community over there. But also, I think I've just seen more people, more individuals with a large, large following, like 100,000 plus on there. Yeah. Whereas on Twitter, I usually see like around the 20 to 40,000 follower range. Yeah. I haven't seen any like huge, huge accounts. So my intuition tells me that LinkedIn's a little bit bigger. Yeah. I, actually, I can agree with you because there's a few data influencers I know on LinkedIn that don't have 100,000 on um, Twitter yet. There is one that's almost there. Her name's Tanika. She's like like 67,000 now. So she's she's probably breaking the barriers for us data folks. So uh, yeah. so it's, it's, it's a growing community. But um, Alex, I kind of wanted to like get more into your journey and, you know, see like where you actually started, you know, in your data career or like was data your first choice? Sure. Uh, data was not my first choice. I, I, I make the joke, you know, I really didn't even know what data was or what a data analyst was when I first started about right around like five years ago. I, I, I had no idea what it was and it wasn't anything that I even contemplated. I was going more down the, the path of like um, physical therapy, occupational therapy. Um, I had worked in hospitals and ERs and, um, you know, I originally went to school to become a doctor. So I got a scholarship for being pre-med. And so I was going like the nursing doctor route. That was my plan. And so I had a lot of experience working in hospitals and my plan was never to be anything data related. The, the closest thing that I knew of that was even somewhat data related was like an engineer because I knew they kind of worked with data and a lot of math. That was about it. That was the only thing that I really knew. So, um, you know, right out of college, I got this internship. I was working at a behavioral health hospital. And if you've never worked at a behavioral health hospital, it's, I don't like using the word crazy because they're not crazy, but it's a lot of disturbed. So in some way they're just like, they got something wrong, right? Um, whether it's, you know, bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. Um, some people are just suicidal. I was working with that type of population. That's the kind of, that's kind of my background. And so I wanted to stay uh, in the area where I was living because I met my now wife um, where I had just, you know, met her at the time. And I was like, Hey, I really want to stay here. Let me try to get a job. And I got a job as, at a nonprofit and at the nonprofit, I was working there for about six months and this data, 
data collection specialist and analyst job popped up at the nonprofit. And my wife was like, Hey, you should apply for it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? I was like, I don't know anything. I don't even know what this is. It just, I know you need to know Excel and that's it. Um, and so I applied for it and they gave me the job. And I think, I think one of the biggest selling points was that I had built a really good rapport with them over the past several months and they really liked me there. Um, so when I applied for this job, I knew the people I was applying, like who, who interviewed me, I knew them. So I was like, Hey, look, you know, I've never done this before. But if you give me a shot, I'm going to do a fantastic job um, just because you know, my, my quality of work. And so they gave me a, a shot and my whole career and idea of what I wanted to do with my life completely shifted. Not like in that, in that moment, but over the next several months and years, uh, it's completely changed my life. And so, um, I mean, to kind of, I, I know I went on a bit of a tangent, but to kind of go back, no data was not anything I had ever wanted, thought about, knew about, um, before about five years ago when all that happened. Okay. So you didn't go on like the traditional going on YouTube and looking at the data stuff. You kind of just, just saw this opportunity and, and that's, that's how you got introduced to it. Kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm completely self-taught. I've never taken a course in college, never done a boot camp. Um, I, I just taught myself everything off of YouTube and different platforms. Uh, and <laughs> it was a, what's that? No, go ahead. Oh, okay. You know, it was it, right when I had got that data job, maybe about four or five months into it, actually, the, we had a consultant come in. We were putting in, it, we were putting in a Salesforce um, database to track some of our data. And the guy was like, oh, you're the data guy here. You must, you, do you guys use SQL? Do you guys have a SQL database? And I was like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> um, and so that night I was like, well, this guy is really smart. You can tell he's very, very bright. I went home and I Googled SQL. I misspelled it completely, but it kind of pulled up. And I was like, this sounds interesting querying databases and, you know, writing code. I'm like, this sounds tough though. Yeah. But I started looking on LinkedIn at jobs that had SQL. And I was like, wait a second, this looks like it could kind of lead to something. And so during that time, I was like, I should really start looking at this because if I want to do this as a career, if I want to kind of switch jobs and switch paths. I should do this. I should start studying this. So I just started going on like Googling Udemy or not Udemy course, SQL courses. And I came on to Udemy um, and Udemy was the very first platform that I ever used. I hadn't heard of Coursera yet, but I took this one SQL Udemy course. And I think I, I, I was I was very broke at the time. So $10, like 15 bucks I spent on it was like a lot of money to me at the time. So I took that same course like through three or four times and just spent like hours and hours digging into it, testing it out, building my own databases on like the free databases you can download. And I just became obsessed with it, to be honest. Um, and that's kind of, that was kind of like the turning point. Um, in, and so I, I then kind of went more towards like the YouTube route. I was like, okay, I think... I can do this, but you know, how do you get a job as a data analyst? Like what on, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, like, is there any people out there who know what they're talking about can help me kind of, you know, all the stuff that I make now, I was looking for that when I was in that initial stage, I didn't find a lot of help. I actually found more help, um, in like articles. So like, I remember reading things on like data science. So how people were getting into data science, I just kind of revamped that and used it for data analytics. Um, but I wasn't finding a lot of great data analyst content out there at the time about, you know, five years ago when I was up and coming and trying to get into it myself. Yeah. You made a very uh, good, interesting point about taking the same course three times, three, four times. Uh, that's, that's interested. I, I want to see how uh, people will respond to that when we release this episode. I think that's actually a good idea. And um, it's actually something that I'm actually implementing now on my relearning of SQL. Um, mm -hmm. You know, kind of just on data camp, just redoing it until it's like in my brain. Um, but uh, I'm going to jump into the show, but I just wanted to ask you real quick. So can we technically call you Dr. Alex the Analyst? 
no. <laughs> I'm definitely not definitely not a doctor. Uh, I have I have no degree past a bachelor's degree. Um, so no, it doesn't feel right. Okay. No, no problem. All right. So I want to ask um which non-technical skill would you say has been the most helpful for you, like you know, in your career transition and position now? Like what was that one that kind of stood out? My my the most important non-technical skill. Yeah. Or like non-technical um, skills in general that, you know, kind of played a role in your, your development. Yeah. And I don't know if this is going to be a good answer or not, but the first thing that comes to mind is I think that my personality, my, I would, I would say I'm just a very positive outgoing person, right? I think that that has gotten me a lot farther than just about any other technical or, or non-technical skill. So like organization, I'm not the most organized. Um, I become a lot more organized over the years just due to necessity. But all these other things like that, that I've talked about or other people talked about and skills that you need as a data analyst, I don't think I ever started out really great at most of them. I think the one area that I really shined that landed me, for sure landed me my first like real data analyst position at, at like a healthcare, small healthcare company. Um, or healthcare analytics company, it was just my personality. And and I failed their technical interview because um, I didn't know what joins were when I interviewed. Um, and they told me afterwards, they were like, Alex, we just really liked your personality. We wanted someone who would come in and learn because there's a lot of proprietary stuff that we use. And I've gotten pretty consistent feedback from every job that I've been in. It's just, I have a good personality for it. So I would say that that has been one of the biggest non-technical things that's gotten me really far in my career. That's good. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Most of my jobs I've, I've ever gotten were like, Hey, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but <laughs> I will learn and sit down and do everything I need to do every single day exactly. to figure it out. And they just exactly. like persistence, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I dig that. Okay. So, my question for you would have been, um, what was your interview process um, was like? But since you kind of went through it already, um, you mentioned that you didn't really know what a data analyst was. So what about the job attracted you to it? Like, was it the objectives that interest you or was it the pay or what was it? So at first, um, and there's a whole story behind the first data analyst job because it almost didn't happen. I almost didn't take the job. Um, for various circumstances. But the thing that kind of kept drawing me back to say, yes, I need to take this was the, initially it was the pay, but I also had the forethought. I, rem- I know because my wife and I had this conversation before I took the job. I was like, this is a kind of job. This is the kind of industry and job and, and title that will, I'll be able to increase my salary incrementally very quickly. So I had a lot of, I was definitely thinking forward several years down the road. And I was like, yes, they're only paying me like, I think it was 63,000, which was a great, I mean, I was like, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But if uh, the circumstances around that was, if I took that job, my wife wasn't, didn't have work at that, at that moment. So we were just going to be on my salary. So I had to say, okay, we kind of had to make that sacrifice of, I'm going to take this, even though we have a better opportunity for her over here. Knowing that in two, three, four years, if I excel in this and I do really well, I could be making seventy, eighty thousand dollars, which would just be like insane for us. And so I think the pay would probably be the biggest thing, but also just the the type of industry that it was that I knew I could make a lot more in the next coming years. Um, that was also really attractive. Uh, that I hadn't, I didn't really understand the technology that much. So the tech and all the other things that were along with that, I didn't really understand it yet. So it didn't, that really at the beginning was not really a piece that drew me in. It was mostly the, it was mostly the money, if I'm being honest. To, to answer your uh, question, uh, it's, it was mostly the money. Yeah, it's all about, all about the Benjamins, baby. <laughs> All about the data, Jamar. Don't say that. Yes, all about the data. All about the data. But you, you know, uh, interesting, interesting enough uh, that that you said 70, 80, 
80k range so would you say that's good for like entry level 70 to 80k between that range it depends on your location of course um different countries and whatnot but i'll speak for for the u.s um in metropolitan areas like you know i think especially the way the economy is going sixty thousand is is becoming more standard um if you're making 70 80 right out the bat you're doing good in my opinion and if you're doing more than that i mean i'm jealous if I'm being honest, that's just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's unheard of, though, to, to be able to make that, especially if you have a good degree in, the, in your background. But if you're someone like me just coming off uh, like someone who has, does not come from the, this world, like $60,000, $70,000 was like insane to me at the time, then I think that is a really decent pay to make with the kind of educational background that I have and, and um, you know, not knowing that much. Yeah. Okay. That that I'm I'm it's nice to hear you say that, you know. Hopefully that'll encourage some people because everyone is, you know, six figured out, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eyes, eyes on a hundred K or better. That's I mean, better. I get it. Like I, I really do understand, like there is there is this almost barrier of if you can get to a hundred thousand, which you know, I'm 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 quite a bit past that now. It was it was pretty amazing to hit that point and it felt really good. But for me personally, afterwards, I was just like, all right, back to the grind, back to the job. You know, it wasn't like I didn't ride that euphoria or that high for that long before I really came back to like, you know, all right, it's time to work. It's time to keep working hard and studying and, and you know, making making sure I'm valuable. So it is it is a good barrier to hit, but it's it's tough to hit it. It's tough for a lot of people. It's not doesn't just happen. Like it, yeah. it usually will take several years um, and, and progressively climbing the ladder and or changing jobs to get those salary increases. Yeah, uh, that's, that's uh, understandable. I'm perfectly fine with that, to be honest. I, I know that you can learn so much just by climbing the, uh, climbing the ladder. Um, I want to I want to ask you something else related to a, a, a different career path in data, but I'll let Shanice go. Um, our next question first. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that um, the guy actually about SQL and you didn't know what the heck that was. So was yeah. that like the most difficult skill you had to learn in the beginning of your career or what did you consider, or what do you consider that was the most difficult for you to grasp? No, I, you know, SQL was confusing at first, but once I picked it up, I ran with it. And then SQL is like, it's like my first love. I, I keep coming back to it and I'm like, it's like, you know, I don't know what TV shows you guys watch, but I'm like a huge The Office fan. That's like my show. Yeah. I I don't, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. I keep coming back to it because I just love yeah. it so much. That's kind of how I, I compare it to SQL. It's like, I can use all these other tools, but SQL is my favorite. So SQL is my favorite, but it wasn't the hardest. The By far the hardest skill that I've learned so far would be Python. And you know, I'm really jealous uh, and I have been ever since I started learning Python, I've been so jealous of people who got to learn like computer science and programming in college. Like I, if I could go back and change my, like knowing what I know now, like this is what I want to do with my life or career wise. If I could go back and like study these things in college, it, I just, I feel like I missed out on so much. And so I, I had a really tough time learning Python. It took me six months just to really understand like the basics. I'm like, I, still to this day, I'm like, okay, a tuple is what? An array is like, how, what's the difference? Like I, I still have to think through those things because they don't come naturally to me. Um, but I've gotten very good at understanding how to use Python. So like I can, I can Google and Stack Overflow with the best of them and I can figure out how to do really complex things, but I still... I don't know if I like 100% could tell you off the top of my head, the basics, but once I get going and I get in my groove, I'm good. But Python was very, very, very tough for me. Um, much, much tougher than any other skill that I've had to learn. Oh, shoot, shoot. In your experience, what was one of the best resources that you used to learn Python? Um, there were 
a few courses that I took and I'm trying to, if I can remember off the top of my head, I can, I, I put there in several videos that I've made in the past, Okay. but there was one that I know for sure that I, that I um, took and it was on Coursera and it was called um, Python for everybody by Chuck mm-hmm. that course. And I originally started taking it for free on YouTube and then I was like, wait, I, I'm like, really, I, I'm vibing with this guy. I like how he's teaching. I like how he's doing it. I'm like actually understanding it. And then I went and took the course on Coursera. Um, mm-hmm. That one to me was phenomenal. I've recommended that one several times. And then there was one by, on Udemy. It was like um, Python for Machine Learning by Jose Portilla. If you, yeah, if you know one. him, he's a super huge data um, uh, a creator on Udemy. I took that one several times as well. And I, I'm the kind of person where once I, if I take a course, I'm going to keep taking it until I feel like I understand everything. So like both mm-hmm. of those two courses, I probably went through maybe three or four times each, which took me several months, but I was just like really determined to learn it well. Was it so, hard? Like, like when you take the classes multiple times, is it hard to like go back and listen to the same teacher? And like, you kind of already know what they're going to say next. And like, <laughs> no, I, I, it, I think in, well, here's the distinction I'll make. I think some people, and my wife is one of these people, cause me and my wife very opposite in a lot of ways is that my wife, if she had to take a course twice or do something twice that she doesn't feel like she needs to do, or she doesn't want to go, she would lose her mind. Like she would, it would just be the most annoying thing. And so the difference is, is like, I like doing that because I'm like, okay, I got like a rapport with this guy. I know how his teaching style, I know what he's already going to teach. So when I come up to certain sections, I'm like, okay, this section is not one that I fully understood. I really need to pay attention, do this and practice it multiple times. And in some ways I, um, I, I would say I kind of have like an obsessive personality when it comes to learning things. Like yeah. when I want to learn something, like I dive way too deep. Like <laughs> for a completely random example, like I wasn't very good at chess about maybe two years ago. Uh-huh. And I started reading books. I started practicing. I started doing tutorials. And I, I'm, I would consider myself pretty good at chess just because I became like, I become obsessed with things just because I want to learn them and know them on a, uh-huh. on a more than just the service level. Like I want to understand the theory behind things. And so um, I like going back to courses for that same reason. I just, I just become obsessed with learning and trying to figure things out. And it's all a puzzle that I need to kind of solve. For those who um, so, don't know, Alex beat me in chess in like 24 hours. Oh, that's right. He didn't, even, he didn't even let me live. I forgot about that. I was not bringing that up for that reason. I promise you. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I remember that. I remember that. Oh, man. That's Going to back to what you said about the college course, I 100% relate to that because I kid you not, when I was doing my capstone just now, which was Python, I kept thinking like, why did I not take this class in college? Like, And I had yeah. like little like classes that didn't relate to my major and I had one like a computer class and I thought it was so cool and I didn't press into it further. So I really, yeah. I kind of regretted it, but you know, it, it it's just hindsight, you know, you mm-hmm. don't know what's important. You don't know yeah. what you're going to need to know. So you kind of like in the moment, you're like going to learn. I don't need that. I don't need to learn that mm-hmm. in depth. I'm just going to do enough to pass it or whatever. Then you look back and you're like, man, I could have done so I could be so much farther than I am if I had like, applied myself or exactly. knew that I needed exactly. to know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to ask you, Alex, since you're like getting into um, Python and things like that, do you see yourself pivoting into or even testing out data science, data engineering? Um, that's a good question. At the beginning, when I didn't really know what I wanted to do, I didn't know if I wanted to go into data science. I didn't know if I or become a data scientist or if I wanted to do data analytics. I don't, I tried everything. Um, and I really dove into machine learning quite a bit. And I, I think I learned a lot. I think I could, I could, even to this day, I could be a data scientist if I wanted to, if I really tried, it's just not, that's not really what I enjoy. Um, and I'm at the place now in my career where I could choose to do that if I wanted to, but now I'm more at a place where I'm like, I want to enjoy the work I do. I want to 
progress in areas that I want to progress. So one thing like now that I'm more interested in than anything is probably data engineering. So, you know, in my last job, in my last job, I, I was a, a data analyst, but I worked very closely with our data engineers, database developers, and, and data scientists. And I was just really drawn to the ETL process and creating pipelines and automating things. That, that I just loved. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and then I would work at the data scientist and we would talk machine learning models. And I'm just like, this, this isn't my thing. It's just, it's just not something yeah. that really piques my interest. And so if, you know, I, I've said this before, I'm not going to, but I was like, if I really wanted to, I think I would go data engineering, but I just, I really like what I do and I like the, the type of work it is. So I just don't think I'm going to do it, but if I had to choose one, I would probably go more towards the data engineering side. Yeah, the ETLs in the pipeline definitely interest me too. Not gonna lie, I I definitely yeah. think I'm gonna give it a try for sure. Damn, do you know anybody that's taking like the data? Uh, I know I I want to take the uh, IBM Data Engineering course on Coursera. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you know anybody that had some success with that? No, not really. Um, I haven't really dived too deep into the data engineering side, like course wise. Um, but there are, there are uh, several good YouTubers that are coming out and releasing content on data engineering, which is kind of rare on YouTube. Um, but there is one guy that I've watched for data engineering who might have some insight into that. He's, I think it's a uh, Seattle, Seattle data, guy. data guy. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's the only one I know. Um, and there are a few other ones that I've seen on LinkedIn that are starting to create content and I've checked them out and they're pretty good. But that's the only reputable one that I can kind of like say I like his stuff for sure. You know who's really good on LinkedIn? Zach. Zach Wilson. Yeah, he's fan- he's fantastic. And he actually yeah. just recently got a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to get him on here next, actually. Zach yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's huge. He's he's and he's a good personality. Um yeah. but I haven't seen his I haven't seen any of his YouTube stuff yet. Uh, but I I plan on checking it out because he is really big on LinkedIn. Yeah, I love his LinkedIn content. Um, yeah. So that's definitely somebody you want to follow for data engineering and Seattle Data Guy. Seattle Data Guy actually has a Discord too. So nice. So Alex, I wanted to ask you. So for someone that was wanting to transition into the field, what would you say are some of the most critical skills to learn right now um, to get a job as a data analyst? Good question. The, the landscape is definitely shifting. Um, if you'd asked me that five years ago, I would have just said, really, all you need to know is SQL and Excel, maybe a little bit of Tableau, and that's it. When I say the, the landscape is shifting, I mean, it's just getting more <clears throat> difficult. It's becoming more competitive. You really, need to, you really need to stand out more. Like back when I was doing it, the market was just easier. It wasn't easy, but it was easier. So the skills that, that I would recommend, and not just technical skills, but um, soft skills as well. For the technical skills, I would mostly be focusing on SQL, Excel, Tableau, Power BI. If you feel like you can learn it well and create some projects off it, I'd be learning Python too, but I don't think that's one that you need to have right away. Um, There are so many jobs that SQL and Excel, Tableau, Power BI, those ones will get you jobs. Soft skills wise, and I've started to focus more on this because I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that, maybe not realizing, I've always, I've always known it, but I'm just seeing such a huge shift in the fact that there's a lot of people with that skill set. There's a lot of people that have that and have those skills and can, and can do what a lot of other people can do. The soft skills are where people really can shine and set themselves apart in a way that you can't always do on a resume or in a project or in showing off a skill. You know, the resume gets you into the interview and your personality is what gets you the job and your, your work ethic and how you interview gets you the job. So I've been putting, a, I've been putting more of an emphasis that when I talk to people on the soft skills, more importantly, just how you communicate and your personality. And I don't, I hate telling people that they have a bad personality and that's not what I usually try to tell people. Cause I, I have a mentorship where I work with people, but I'm like, you know, 
I'll try to pretend to be them. I'm like, I'm like, I am not trying to insult you whatsoever, but let me show you how you're portrayed in my, I, my eyes. I was like, so ask me some interview questions and I'll, I'll give them back kind of my representation of their personality. And they're like, oh, wow, that's pretty dull. Mm. And I'm like, <laughs> it, it kind of is. I was like, you know, but then I'm like, hey, let me turn on my charm and my personality. Let me show you what is really in, attractive to an employer. And then I'll be like, you know, I'm really excited to be here. I know I don't know that skill. And then when I kind of show them that to me is becoming so much more important these days, um, especially with just how competitive it is. Your personality is, is like, you know, just, it's just more important than it used to be. Whereas before they were just like, Hey, if you've got the skills, we'll take you. But now it's just, Mm -hmm. just more competitive. So yeah, that's, um, those are some of the skills I think people should be focusing on soft skills and hard skills. And, and it's just, it, if I'm being honest, it's hard to work on your personality and be, <laughs> and be self-aware enough to understand that you might not be the most outgoing person in the world. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard for people to hear. And it's hard to, it's hard to be, like I said, be self-aware enough to understand that and to fix it. Um, whereas technical skills, you can see your deficiencies pretty easily because com- you can compare it to others. So yeah. know, that, that's what I would say for that one. Yeah. Can I recommend a book for the people? I will recommend yeah. how to Go win friends it. and influence people. I always you. recommend that. You can't recommend that. I That's the book for everybody. So that's a good book. How to win friends and influence people. That, that book that sounds like interesting. Dale, somebody, Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Yeah. But I can, I, can, I can honestly say that. Uh, oh, yeah, Alex, if you haven't read that book, you have to read. It. I mean, you're already good at winning friends and influencing people, but you, I think you'll love that book still. Yeah, um, I like those. it. Sounds it sounds good. Yeah. But um, I, I definitely agree, though, like the personality thing is, you know, how this whole thing came to be like people bought into our personality. So uh, yeah. definitely, you know, I know even like a lot of opportunities get thrown my way just just off of my LinkedIn I'm not like you yet, Alex, but I'm getting there. You inspired me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of opportunities have, uh, you know, even like even Google reached out to me, like to, you know, have me a part of one of their campaigns. I don't know if I actually made it, though. I should go follow up. <laughs> but, but definitely agree, though, that personality is. And I do think that book will help. That book kind of teaches you how to deal with different personalities and kind of soften people up and, you know, yeah. find their like inner child in a sense. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that stuff for sure. So in your opinion, where does uh, a career in data analytics stand in regard to demand fluctuation in the tech market as kind of what we're seeing right now? Sure. Sure. So you, so you, you're basically saying, is there a lot of demand for it right now or is it there a, a decrease yeah. in it? Yeah. Do you think it's something that could withstand the fluctuation as far as, uh, I guess, how it's needed and then sometimes it's not needed? Do you think corporations can kind of go, like, would they, can they afford to slim down that area? Um, the short answer is no. Um, and I work in uh, corporate America and I, I, I've seen it. It is really hard when you start building out a data team to cut data analysts. Um, you can replace them with other positions and try to shortchange it, but those people did not sign up to be a data analyst and they will start to resent it and not want to do it. A data engineer does not want to build dashboards or dive into the data like that. They want to build pipelines. That's what their job title is. So usually there's in, in, in the growing of a data team, there is that fluctuation where they're like, do we need this position? Do we need this position? Let's try to cut it out, see what happens. It usually equalizes to, yes, there are certain positions that you can't really replace or get rid of because that's not what other job titles or people want to do. Data analysts understand that that's their role. Their role is to come in, analyze the data, find trends, patterns, create dashboards, reports for management um, stakeholders to do those things. If you ask the data scientist to do that, they're going to be like, this is not what I signed up for. I want to do machine learning. You do a data architect to do that. That makes no sense. A data engineer, they should not be doing that. Database developer, that's not, that's not what they do. So 
you know, there are, there is a demand for it. I I've never seen in the past five years when I've been really honed in on it, I've never seen a decrease in, in the actual demand for this position. So, you know, with everything going on right now and the layoffs and especially at large tech companies, there's layoffs and there's hiring freezes. Um, you know, I've already, I just did a podcast on it. It hasn't been released yet, but I, I dug into the data a lot. If you look at all these large companies that are doing layoffs, hiring freezes, et cetera, it only, for layoffs, it's only about 4% of fortune 500 or, or tech large tech companies that have public IPOs. Mm-hmm. 15% have hiring freezes. There's still 85% of companies that are going about business as normal because they didn't overextend themselves during this really crazy time. So if you're looking at just those big top companies, yes, you're, it's going to be harder to find a job and there may be a small decrease, but across the board for 85% of companies, they're hiring as normal and they're, they're bringing in analysts as normal. So I, I'm not really concerned um, even with everything going on that there's a lack of opportunity out there, um, especially at small to mid-sized companies that are trying to expand their data needs and, and wants. There's so much opportunity out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're trying to go for Amazon for your first job, which I go for it, but it's going to be hard. Um, you know, there's not, there's shouldn't be that much decrease in demand in my opinion. That's just from everything that I've dug into on that topic. I haven't seen, I don't see data analysts going away anytime soon. I would, I would, I would agree. Um, I see a whole bunch of positions opening up for it, uh, for junior, for all, all type of positions. Um, when it comes to that and then it's also the titles too like mm-hmm. um, like you could be a business intelligence analyst like it's, it's so many different and I mean I, I would love your thoughts on this Alex because when I look into those titles I'm like I'm starting to like kind of phase out of the job title because when I look at the requirements I see Tableau, SQL, Excel for business intelligence mm-hmm. I'm like doesn't really seem much different than a data analyst. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is at my company, even on the previous team that I was on, we had um, visualization specialists, we had BI developers and data analysts. And all three of those at different companies could do the exact same work. It is possible. At our company, though, because we had all three, we did very, they did very specific things. Me as a data analyst, I was working more on the ETL side, but we were diving into data, working with stakeholders. We had a business analyst as well, which again, that one can get muddled in there as well. J-Bar was just talking about that. Yeah. And and a business analyst, like all these titles that I'm saying, all of them could at different companies be the exact (laughs) same or do the exact same work. Sometimes it really is just the title. Whereas, um, you know, my company, since we had all those titles, I didn't work on almost any dashboards at all while I was there. I worked with our visualization specialists to help them understand the data a little better. And then they would build it out, do all that work and and release it. But I never, almost never touched it. That just wasn't my, my role. So there are a ton of different titles, different variations. And that's why I tell people, I'm like, look, the data analyst title is kind of the more sought after title. It's like, it, it just is more catchy. It's more, it has more, I don't want to say prestige, but people recognize it more than a data visualization specialist. But it is very possible that if you read that job description, they could be pretty similar and you can get fantastic experience doing that for a year, two years, three years, and then transition to, if you really are looking for that title at that, at, at that time, you can look for a data analyst title. But I say, look at the job description, see what work you're doing, get on a call with the recruiter and really understand what their needs and what their this position is going to be doing on a day-to-day basis. And you'll find a lot of overlap in what those titles actually do on the job. Yeah, definitely agree. Glad to hear you say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've been noticing. 
I'm like, I, I know I can't be going crazy. So now my favorite question comes along. <laughs> Hit me with it. I mean, I always, I always ask everyone this uh, for the people since always. I am always said the million. Um, no, I always like to ask because I am I am one that I do not have a degree. I dropped out when I was 19 and um, pursued a career in IT uh, and I'm doing fairly well with that. Um, so for you that have a degree, uh, would you prefer, would, would it be best to have a degree or no degree? Or for the people that are watching that maybe don't have a degree and like, should I go back to school but don't want to get in debt? Degree or no degree? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, oh, wait, it, Alex, it, I want to add an extension to that question. I'm gonna tease. We had no extension. I'm gonna I'm gonna tease you a little bit and throw boot camps into the mix. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let me, and that's a very big subject, and I've done a few different videos on this, so I'll try to keep it short because there's just I could go, I I could talk on this subject for hours legitimately um to answer your question it is easier with a degree it's just it just is even if it's just a bachelor's or associates it helps get your foot in the door of getting to the recruiter now once you actually get to the interview stage i don't think it's as important but it definitely helps there's no doubt about it um so if i had to choose definitely degree I have worked with people and mentored people who do not have degrees and have been able to make it and be very successful. So it's just, a, it's just, there are barriers for everybody coming from everywhere, whatever your background is, whatever you're, wherever you're coming from, you will have barriers. Some will have more than others. And the education piece is just another, is just a different barrier for some people, but, um, in general, degree is good. Now, should you go back, if you, if you right now are out of high school, you have a high school degree and you're trying to get into this field, should you go back and get it? It depends on the type of person you are. There, I would say for most people, if you are driven and you are self-motivated, you do not need to go back and get a degree. I think most people who have that type of self-motivation and can push themselves and kind of create that roadmap for themselves. It is not, it is not going to be worth those student loans. It's just not in my opinion. I think if you spend six months really dedicating yourself to studying the stuff and building portfolios and, and you know, all that stuff, you can land a job without it and you will have saved yourself tens of thousands of dollars in student loans. Um, so that's, that's my general sentiment on going back is it's, it's really depends on the type of personality you have and like how self-motivated you are, I would say. Um, there's also master's degrees. So some people have a bachelor's and they're like, well, do I need to go back and get a master's? Most people, I'm just going to say no. Even if you're really self-motivated, I don't think you need to. Um, master's degrees will help you get a job. They will be very expensive, uh, but they will absolutely boost you, boost you up in the rankings to get a job. It will make it easier. But again, the cost versus the time versus the reward, I don't see it being there for a lot of people. Then we have boot camps, um, and boot camps are an entirely different beast because you at least get it if you go to an accredited college, you have some accreditation behind it. Whereas boot camps are it's like the wild west. You got anybody can make a boot camp. I could go make the ATA Alex the Analyst boot camp tomorrow and people could take it and pay me ten thousand dollars and it wouldn't it would be worth nothing to them. Um, I could teach them skills, I could help them, but it'll be worth nothing. And that's how most boot camps are in my mind. Um, but there are a select few that are worth and are and are good. But there are very few, and you really need to dig in and be like what am I actually getting out of this? Am I just learning the skills and then I get the title of, hey, I went to a boot camp, Or am I getting some type of job placement or job guarantee? Am I getting a money back guarantee if I apply to X amount of jobs and don't land a job? Am I getting career 
coaching? Am I getting a mentor? Am I getting like, what perks are, am I getting out of this? Cause I don't think a lot of people look into that or think about those things before boot camps. And so I feel like boot camps are, I don't, I don't want to say this in a, take it with just a bit of grain of salt, but I think they're somewhat predatory on kind of selling the dream. Hey, if you take this boot camp, you'll land a hundred thousand dollar job. And I'm like, that's just not how it works. <laughs> it's just, and I feel like it's a bit predatory sometimes um, with how they market and campaign and sign people up who can't afford it. And it really won't help much. So I have kind of a mostly hate relationship, a little tiny bit of love for the boot camp um, yeah. side of things. I, I remember you saying that you would, you would take one if, if, if you had the opportunity. Well, that's my, that's the difference though. And, and I did say that, but it was under the premise of if I had the money yeah, and I had the time, which I have never in my life had both because when I was broke, I would have loved to do done a boot camp if I had the time or the money, but I couldn't afford those things. Those things are really expensive and I didn't have the time I needed to work. I was a newly married man. Uh, I needed money. So I, I didn't have the time to take six months off, nine months off to go take a boot camp. Um, or go back to college and get a better degree. I just didn't have that luxury. So I just had to really grind it out. But there, there again, there's, there is a good combination in there for some people who one, have the money, because sometimes they're like $10,000, $15,000 like six months and have the time to take off. Because um, a lot of these boot camps are like full time. You have to be in person or online and do like 40 hours a week of like studying. So <laughs> excuse me so yeah if i had the time and the money i'd take one um but it's not a it's not that great of an option for a lot of people i feel like yeah one that i like uh i haven't taken myself but uh tech system has one now um which i i, I guess i would like theirs i would take theirs if i had the opportunity because they're actually a recruiting agency so oh. they probably do include the the job placement with it. Um, but I haven't looked into it for myself. So, but before I get into my next question, Alex, um, cause we're kind of talking about the school and the self-study thing. So kind of just staying on that track, how, what are some things that you do to like keep your skills going? Like, do you still take courses or do you just work on projects? Like what, what do you do? Well, my studying and what I do is very different than I think the average person, just because I have a YouTube channel. And so I make a lot of tutorials. I make a lot of projects for other people. That's, I would say that's how I do a lot of my studying these days um, is through tutorials. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very good at these skills. I would, I would say I'm really good at these skills, but when I'm making like my, like I'm, I'm just, I finished recording my, Power BI tutorial series it hasn't, not all of them have been released, obviously, but um, I'm done with them. And as I'm going through it, I'm like, cause I, I dive into them before I record just to make sure I don't miss anything important. And there'll be times I'm like, I totally forgot about that. Like I didn't even remember that was a thing. And I learned that way by, cause I, I want to teach people the best that I can. So I dive into things and I study. So that is, that is how I do a lot of my studying. I do still do courses, but just, not as obsessively as I used to. I mean, I have to have some record on Udemy or Coursera somewhere for the amount of courses <laughs> taken. Like it's gotta be because I've taken hundreds on both platforms. Like I just, I legitimately was obsessed. I just, I was like, holy crap, these are amazing. And I'm learning so much. I just want to take, 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 take. Um, but I don't have that time anymore. I have a full-time job. I have three kids. I got a wife. I have my YouTube channel. I did. I just don't have the time. So I normally am doing courses like for reviewing them. Like I just released the meta marketing review um, for that uh, certific or, um, certification on uh, Coursera. Yeah. I took a lot of those, like I walked through it as if I was taking it. So I walked through that course. That is, that is a lot of what I do these days. Um, again, it's not, it, not everybody's a YouTuber who, does that stuff. So if I didn't have my YouTube channel, I still think I would be doing courses and projects um, to keep my skills well, especially in areas that I'm not currently using in my job. Yeah. Okay. So uh, are you one of the Udemy folks that finished the course or don't finish the course? And you just <laughs> I don't know about that. 
I've, I've, I will say I have a crazy high completion rate. I probably do like 90, I 95% plus I complete. Um, yeah. but you know, it's going to walk away from this. <laughs> <laughs> there's been only, there's been a few that I've walked away from only because I didn't like it. Like I would, and then I would go and ask for a refund. I'm like, I didn't like this course. Like, I didn't like how this was taught. I've asked for refunds. I, I'm not above it. Even today, I don't care if I'm a, like a billionaire. If I don't like a course, I'm going to ask for a refund. It's just on principle. So there have been very few courses that I have not finished. And I've been like, this was not worth my money. I want my money back. But 95% plus, I finish all the way through. And, and then I'll go back and take it again. Just because I'm like, I got more to learn in there. I know there is. I know there's something I missed. So yeah, I, I like to complete them. And Alex, whatever uh, coffee or tea or, or juice you drink, I need some of that. I need that type <laughs> of focus. <laughs> but uh, I, I want to ask you, because, um, you know, like me coming into the data world, you, Kenji, were like the first two people that I came across as, as data yeah. influencers. And you guys definitely played a big role and in you know my like thought process behind getting into data i didn't think i was going to become an influencer that wasn't a part of the plan <laughs> but but it was you guys that kind of motivated me to like build in public and yeah. put myself out there and i just so happened to become an influencer but it wasn't intentional yeah. and it's definitely a lot of work uh being an influencer <laughs> running a community a podcast um yeah uh, all type of stuff and a youtube channel we run that as well um, so what, uh, motivated you to become an influencer, like YouTube, LinkedIn, like in the data community, like what, what was your motivation or your drive for that? Yeah. The, there was no point in this journey where I've ever thought of myself as an influencer. I genuinely haven't. I, I, and I get that question a lot. It's like, I've never been recognized. I've never been on the streets. I've never been asked. I don't feel like an influencer. I just feel like another guy who likes data. And so my drive was always helping people. And it still is like, I get just a huge kick out of people messaging me and being like, Alex, your channel, like changed my life. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and you helped me get a job. And now I'm working at this company and you've changed like the whole career. To me, that is that is one of my biggest motivations behind it. And so when I first started, um, before I started my data channel, um, Alex, the analyst, I had another one called the Berg source. Like my last name's Freeberg is called the Berg source. And it was just on like reviewing watches. And I just, I thought it was cool. And I was like, let me try this. But I, I stopped about like, after about like 10 plus videos, maybe after like two months, because I had no passion behind it. I, I enjoyed it but there was no big community or anything that really motivated me beyond that. I wasn't going to get anybody like, man, you changed my life because of that watch review. It wasn't going to happen. And then I was like, you know, I was like, when I first started looking on YouTube, there was nobody. I, I genuinely feel like I was in it alone. And I remember looking back, I was like, man, it just, I wish there was somebody making content on this where I could learn and they could show me how to do it. And I just remember it being so tough because I had to learn from these data scientist people and I had to like kind of change it for what I needed. Yeah. It was tough. And so that was how I started it. I was like, I want to be that person for other people who they can like go to his channel and be learn anything. I like my goal in the next two years is to literally have every single thing a data analyst could ever want for free on YouTube. And that was the motivation behind everything. And so now I'm like reaching, a, I'm, 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 I've gone far above anything I ever, ever, ever imagined. Um, my goal, like when I started it, I was like, if I could get like a thousand subscribers that blew my mind. If I could, and then when I hit that, I was like, if I imagine if I got to 10,000, holy crap. And now I'm at almost 250,000 and it feels very surreal, but I still, it's the same motivation. It's the same intention. I just want people to have access to learn if they want to learn and there not be a barrier of, I have to pay for it. Yeah. And so, um, because again, when I started out, I was broke. I couldn't afford to pay for a boot camp. I couldn't pay, afford to pay for Coursera until I got my first job. And I was like, holy crap, I'm going to the, I'm going to Coursera. I am fancy. 
<laughs> but when I first started, like I couldn't afford it. Yeah. So I, you know, the influencer thing, I, I definitely understand why people say that. And they're like, Alex is a, he's a data influencer. He's a data YouTuber. I, I don't, that doesn't like make me feel weird. I'm just like, it's just not how I see myself. I just see myself as another data guy trying to give back to the community that gave so much to me over the years that I've been, you know, on Stack Overflow, Google, YouTube, um, Udemy, you know, all those places. I'm just doing my part now um, because I have that ability in that audience. Yeah, honestly, I, I can relate to that. Um, that was the same thing that inspired me to create the Discord. because so I was like, there's no community here. And like, I was actually in the middle of the Google course and I took a long break and I was like, you know what? I need some accountability partners. Like I got exactly. something, created the Discord and it actually did help. I ended up finishing the course. But then the Discord blew. <laughs> we're like, uh, we're almost at like 7,000 members now. And it's yeah. like going crazy. And I actually, I actually say the same thing. I never considered myself an influencer. Um, people just kind of pin that name. And I think it's because you are, you kind of are influencing them, you know? Yeah. You're influencing them, whether it's the career path or even motivation. Like some people listen to this podcast and they say, oh my God, your podcast helped, you know? And like to some people, like even these advices, you know, very, very helpful to a lot of people, especially with data being new. And For sure. uh, I mean, I first got introduced to tech in 2018 and I never heard about data. It was mainly network engineering, software, cybersecurity. You didn't really hear much about data science, you know? Like now it's data everywhere, but it wasn't all yeah. that way. So, uh, you know, I, we, I definitely appreciate the, the contributions that you've done to the community. It's, it's an honor to have you on here. I remember when I first asked and you, I got rejected like a job, you know, like I applied for <laughs> a job, Alex rejected me. <laughs> and it's, it is not personal. I promise you, I, as I've gotten larger, as my, as my channel has gotten larger, I, I've had to learn to say no a lot more yeah. because my time has just become more invaluable in the sense that I have such limited time. Like yeah. is it's rare for me to have an hour or two during the week to just do anything I want to do. Yeah. I do spend a lot of time like planning videos and working and spending time with my family. I just, it's nothing personal. I promise you. It's just, yeah. I just didn't have the time. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I figured we would come around eventually. So I'm, I'm glad, yeah. you know, we got to build the buzz up for you. So now, you know, we have the audience already ready for Alex. Yep. When this episode comes out, <laughs> we're good. But exactly. I'm, I'm glad, glad we were able to get you on for sure. Um, let's see, did, did we have any more questions for Alex today? Oh, I think we have one last one here for you. Um, would you Go ever, for would you ever take on a director role? Would I ever take on a director role? Uh, yes and no. Um, I, I, I like to be, I'm, you know, I'm a manager now. Like I, I have a team underneath me of analysts and developers, and I will say I miss being hands-on. Um, I definitely could and would go higher in the, in the corporate ladder. Um, you know, I absolutely would, but I just, I would be hesitant to do it anytime soon, just because I, I, I feel like I'd be farther away from being hands-on, which I already miss in my current position. I, I miss being more hands-on. So it would have to be a good role, um, a really good opportunity. I, but I would definitely, I would definitely consider it. I could see it now. Alex, the analyst, chief data officer. <laughs> hey it sounds good <laughs> it does but um again, we appreciate you coming on alex any last advice tips you wanted to give to aspiring data analysts uh even junior <laughs> data analysts any tips to inspire or any uh, tips in general yeah i mean i i one of my biggest things is i just i want people to know that and I may not say this enough on my channel and this comes more from the heart than anything is that if you came from a very poor background, which is kind of what I came from, you need to look in this field because there's so many opportunities for people who did not grow up in wealth 
or go to the best college or have everything that everybody else has. I don't, I want people to say, Hey, you know, if Alex could do it and I know people don't look at that anymore, but if you saw where I came from, you would be like, if Alex can do it, I can do it. I want people, that's what I want people to kind of have that mindset of, I'm not going to let my current circumstances hold me back from doing what I want to do just because I feel like I don't fit in or I don't have the right background. Like you just need to go for it. You need to try it out. Give it your all because anybody can get into this field. Anybody, whether you have a degree or not, and you can be making more money than your family's ever seen. You just believe in yourself and you really put in the effort. That's that's what I would say. Just as a little tidbit of inspiration at the end. Yeah. I like that. That was good. Uh, I, 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 I gotta give you a round of applause for that one, Alex. <laughs> 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 but appreciate you coming on, Alex. Once again, thank you for everyone that tunes into the All About the Data podcast, everyone that's in the Discord, everyone that subscribes to the YouTube channel. You can also check out um, we have SQL Saturdays that we host every other Saturday now. Uh, we have a Power BI course on there as well. Not to compete against Alex, though. Alex is probably the best, <laughs> so make sure you go support both. Um, and tune in, subscribe, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter. Twitter is over 11,000 followers now, so appreciate everyone for supporting the Twitter. Um, our IG is still dead, but we'll bring it to life one day. And <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. All about the data, baby. Peace.